So Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning as you've already came through the door and you're just dining with us. Holy Spirit, over these next few moments, I would ask that you would have your way with us, Lord. And we just want to give this all to you. Father, I ask that you would hide this pastor behind the cross. Let your word go forth. Nothing of mine but all of yours and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So here in verse 6, we can see Jesus is explaining the cost of discipleship. Lived, lived in the presence and power of the kingdom of God, but within an everyday world. This, my friends, is the blueprint for the Christian life. He, he's laying it all out for us. And as we've seen in the first three Beatitudes, uh, they are costly and painful. One, becoming poor in spirit involves death to self. Secondly, the second beatitude was mourning over sin, which involves facing up to our sinfulness. Thirdly, becoming meek involves surrendering our power to God's control. Now, the fourth beatitude here is more positive and uh, is a consequence of the other three. See, when we put aside self and sins and power and turn to the Lord, we are given a great desire for righteousness. The more we put aside what we have, the more we long for what God has. Once you put off what, what you want, what you see, and you start longing for God, the more you're going to see what God wants you to have. And God truly does want you to have things. He wants you to have many things. And many will come. They will say, this is for the church today. They will say that they are hungry for the word and what God has for them. Yet they will only pick up the things that they want from God. They will cherry pick it. Well, I only want this God and I only want that God. I don't really want to get too deep over here, God, because you might, might make me have to do some things that I don't really want to do. But God says, no, children, it's either all of me or none of me. You might live a delusion for a little while. Things might go good in the temporal, but oh, what a day, what a day, what a day when the eternal things, the weightier matters come into play. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, he, he said this in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. I love this quote. It says, the follower of Jesus continued to grow hungry and thirsty along the way. We long for the day there will be no more sin. It will be a complete renewal. It will be the full establishment of God's law. Everything will become perfect on that day. There will be no more wrongs. We will be back at the very heart of God and why he created us in the first place. That would be back to be back with him. But until that day, my friends, 
We are going to live in a very world full of sin that's involved with this sin, affected by the curse of man. But my friends, there will be a day when that man that they said was a curse because he hung on a tree, he will stand and give an account for me. Oh, what a day, what a day, what a day that'll be because why Jesus died and bled for me. Man, I want y'all to feel that. Feel the weight of that. Jesus, the Messiah, he did this. And this was the cost of your discipleship. See, a disciple is to be a follower of Christ. And he laid down his life. God gave his very best for you and me. He said, you don't deserve it. But I love you. And I created you. In my very own image. And I want my spirit to take up dwelling place inside of you. I want my spirit to take up residence inside of you. That means to live there. Not to say, get out today, Holy Spirit. Come back tomorrow. No. It's every day. It's all day. It's 24-7. It's 365. It's 52 weeks a year. It's from now till the day you draw your last breath, and then you'll be with him. Man. Again, what a day, what a day, what a day that'll be. This is enough right here in itself to hunger and thirst for God. Just to know that. That in itself is enough. But in the realm of the mind and spirit, you are truly what you eat. And if you feed on violence and excitement and erotica and materialism, guess what? It's going to become your master. It will own you. It will own you for however long you got left in your life here on this earth, whether it be 66 years, 88 years, 102 years, whatever you serve, whatever you eat the most, whatever you feed the most will become the monster you serve. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, it all goes. But if you're serving a living God that's holy, and just, praise God, he is well pleased with that. And again, this will become your identity in whatever you eat the most. And the lid's on that. But see, no other creature was able to do this, see, Lucifer was in the presence of God's glory. And the name Lucifer, it stands for the star of the morning or the bright one. But see, Lucifer in himself, he wasn't satisfied living in God's glory. And he said in his heart, what did he say in his heart? It's over in the book of Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14. It says, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high God. See, his ambition 
was not to reflect God's glory, but to try to take God's sovereign power while forsaking righteousness. He wasn't content. There's many people today that's not content with the things that God gives them. Then we've seen as the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, he ruled over the greatest of all the world, the world's empires. Listen to Nebuchadnezzar. When in Daniel chapter 4, verse 29 and through 30, it says, At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal uh, palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Listen to his language here. Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? Nebuchadnezzar was about him instead of the majesty of God. He lusted after praise just as Lucifer lusted after power. He said, well, those guys of the Old Testament, well, Jesus even told a parable about a rich fool whose crops were so abundant that he did not have enough space to store him. And what did he do? He said, I will tear down these and, and build bigger ones. I will say to my soul, this is what the rich fool says, you may have many goods for years, but take ease, eat and drink and be merry. But, but God said, you fool. Because he wasn't content with what he had. He said, I'm going to build a bigger barn. I'm going to build something bigger, materialistic. Materialistic. He wasn't pleased. See, like Lucifer hungered for power, Nebuchadnezzar, he hungered for praise, and the rich fool hungered for pleasure. He wanted more, 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 more. More and more. So my question is, what do you hunger for? Is it power? Is it more praise? Is it more material things? Is it bigger, better? Friends, we must hunger for God. Most of us don't even know what hunger is. We have no clue. You say, no, pastor, yes, I do. I, I get hungry every couple hours. Well, no, you don't really know what hunger is. See, we can go to our refrigerators anytime we want and pick and choose whatever we want out of it and satisfy what we think is a hunger, but yet you go to a third world country where they don't have food. See, Jesus knew that they would understand this language, so that's why he was talking in it because in a Palestinian uh, uh, world there, that they didn't, they didn't really have a lot, and at any time it could go dry and there could be no more food. Food. So he knew that they would understand this hunger and thirsting. But yet Americans, how much food we just throw away. We talk about, I know what it's like to be hungry. No, you know what it's like to have a craving for something. You don't know the deep pains of hunger. You know a craving See, it's not a comfortable picture that Jesus is painting here. See, Jesus was uh, far from recommending a, a gentle desire of spiritual nourishment, but rather he was painting a picture of starvation for righteousness, a desperate hunger to be conformed to God's very will. That's what we're ultimately called to do, to conform to God's will. 
to get close to God's heart. So what does it say? Blessed are they that hunger for God, for they shall be filled. Some of us, we want God as much as we want food. What I mean by that is, we'll say, well, I want steak today. I want chicken today. Maybe I want Roman noodles. That's how we go to God. I'll take a Psalm 23 today. I'll take a John 3.16 tomorrow. But, but I don't want you every day, all day, because it's going to make me get uncomfortable. It's not how God wants you to come to him. Come to him hungry. Come to him as a man would say, hangry. Where you're just ready to dig in. Where you're ready to feast. Listen, he says, open my word. Sit down at my table. Dine with me. That's feasting on God's word. And then more than that, living it out. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another to be about it. We must live out what we're talking about. See, the one who hungers and thirsts wants the character of the kingdom. He pants after the fruit of the Spirit. He wants God's will and all that entails it, all that comes with it. He pants. Have you ever seen a dog running, how they start panting? That's the closest thing my little mind could fathom is when a dog's running and they stop at a red light. That's how I want to be after God. I want to hunger for him. I want to pant. I just want to be close. I want you all to grow in that love and closeness to God. See, King David was at his best. He was like this. Look at Psalm 63 and verse 1. It says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David understood this. Then in Psalm chapter 17 and verse 15 says, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. In the likeness of God. He was longing for that. This is it for a healthy believer. He or she never has enough of God and righteousness He or she is always hungry. It's not a fulfillment. It's not a fulfilling moment. It's you're always hungering for more, more, more. It's as if how we do when we eat. You know, we'll eat a little bit and we're good for about 12 hours or 6 hours or 8 hours, whatever the count may be. But then we're ready to eat again. That's how God wants you to come at his word. He wants you to be where, where you are, where you eat on the word and then you walk after him. You talk after him. Six hours later, you're right there back in the same spot. You're hungry for the word of God. And you're hungry to follow him. You're hungry. I know one thing, it's making me hungry and not the type of hungry that I want to go to Waffle House and eat. No, I want to go get in my prayer closet, open up my word and start praying for every lost person out in the city of Louisville and just feasting with God and say, God, redeem the wretched, redeem the sinner because you did it for me and I know you can do it for them. Redeem them. Break the chains off of them, Lord. Some of us sitting in here this morning, we walked in and you could hear the chains of hell clanging behind you. 
But we need to let it go. The Father in heaven, I'm in bondage. And I need you. Oh, Lord, how I need you. I come, I confess. Man. And as soon as you say, Lord, I need you, kings his ear in. He says, yes, son or daughter, I'm right here. I'm right here. Talk. Talk. The whole time the Holy Ghost is behind you, he's trying to give you a little push to say, just repent. Just repent. Just repent. Just repent. And the language of this beatitude does not make sense to the modern ear. It just, it just don't. It indeed is too strong for even some Christians today. They say, man, you're talking a little bit too much about me having to go all in with Christ. Yeah. Mark Batterson read a good, or wrote a good book called All In. I would suggest to read that book, All In. It'll make you examine some things. You'll have to look at it. But it really describes what it means to be all in. Mark Batterson. And Jesus' pronouncement may uncover some buried and almost forgotten glimmers of past life. And you say, what are you talking about, a past life, pastor? I'm talking about when you first came to Christ and you hungered and thirsted for righteousness. I'm talking about that beginning of your walk when everything, you was on fire for the Lord. But as time went on, your flames started to thizzle out. No, I'm talking about that's what you need to get back to. Get back to. Go back to the days when, when you know you went from running a hellbound race to you was heavenly set free. And you was on fire. You was going to tell everybody about Jesus. You're a little puppy. You was even going to tell your puppy about Jesus and what Jesus did for you. But instead, what do we do now? We get too caught up in ourselves and we say, no, I can't say that about Jesus. Not in the marketplace. Somebody's going to look at me weird. No. Jesus wants you to glorify him. Tell about him. Things we're talking about in personal spiritual disciplines. Evangelizing. We're all called to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember, you couldn't get enough of, of Jesus and his word. When you was first saved, you couldn't. You had your praise music on every time you got in the car, but you was shouting hallelujah when you were sitting at a red light. People looking at you like you was crazy. You just wave at them. Talking about, I got Jesus. But now when they start looking at you, put your head down. I got to keep driving. They're going to think I'm crazy. It's time to get crazy for the Lord again. Some Baptists would say, no, that's being radical. No, that's called being really saved. And I'm talking saved, saved. Like so much saved, you could smell your hind end burning. That type saved because you've been set free. Oh, they don't like when you start talking like that. They say, well, he's falling off a rocker again. No, I've fallen in love with Jesus. I didn't fall off no rocker. I fell in love. Two different things there. Some of us, we cared so much about the spiritual famine of the world and how desperate the world was in need of a desperate need of a savior that we would be willing to do anything and talk to anyone get back to your first love not your second he is first love him love him unconditionally love him like no other Love him as if he's standing next to you. Because if you're a believer, he is standing next to you. 
He never left you nor forsaken you. We need to get back to that, to the first love. But most people, what they do is they, as time goes on, they tend to put down their devotions and their scripture reading time and their prayer time. It all starts to fade away. It all starts to go out the back door. That's not what Christ wants you to do. We are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're to hunger and thirst. See, the tragedy of our our world is right now that it is hungering and thirsting after sex, wealth, violence, and excitement. You say, yeah, that's the world. Well, guess what? The church is in trouble too because the tragedy is that many in her are seeking the same thing and their diets are making them as empty and pathetic as the world. The church is looking like a chameleon. We're walking around, fitting in, blending in, acting like the world, talking like the world, drinking at parties like the world, having sex outside of marriage like the world. Or we're telling our babies it's okay that you feel this way or that way because you're just emotionally distressed instead of telling them, no, it's sin, and there's consequences for sin. Here's what the church says. I can't do that. I got to be secret friendly. I got to put butts in seats. I got to fill the tithing basket up. No, that's God's job to do that. Our job is to preach the gospel, an unfiltered, unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ that calls out sin, calls sin what sin is, and is not ashamed of it. People say, that's legalistic. No, it's our hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. God's righteousness is holy. It's holy, holy. So Jesus provided us with a menu. And he also indwelled on the inside of you the appetite. And the main course is righteousness, conformity to his will. The method is desperation. Are you desperate for it? Are you truly desperate? See, we are to hunger for righteousness and pursue it with all that is in us. All of it. So how is your appetite this morning? Do you thirst for God? Are you dry? Do you need to be filled up? Do you need to come to the king? Are you full? I'm thirsty. And not for physical water, for living water. I'm hungry for the bread of life, which is Jesus. So we must get honest with ourselves. We are told that we are to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Him. This means deny the external things. Now, I'm not saying don't go buy you things. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying the things that's not of God. Deny yourself. Die to yourself daily. Get up, repent. When you open your eyes, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you today. 
I need you. Then there must be a complete opening up, a, like an open heart surgery. Say it, saying, Jesus, I need you to expose my sins. Help me to see them. That way I can turn from my evil, wicked ways. Help me to dissect these things, Jesus, because last time I checked, you was the great physician. You was the healer. Can you please open my heart up and let me see myself for who I really am, a wretched sinner that's in love with you, and I need a transformation, but I want to walk in a closeness with you. I want to be hungry for you. I want to thirst for righteousness, because you said I shall be satisfied. And we will be satisfied in the end. In the end. Remember, church, we're just sojourners. We're, we're passing through here. And our mission is to collect as many other believers as we can. Help them. Tell them. Tell them about the king. Tell them about him. Tell them about him. My, my, my prayer for, for you this morning is that you would lay down every piece of rubbish and rebellion that you would step back and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Jesus, uh, he, he was up there like a wild man this morning, and I want to be in love with you like that. I, I want to be wild for you. I want to have a heart on fire for you, Jesus. You might think, well, well, pastor, you don't know what I'm doing. God's big enough. He can handle what you're doing. It don't matter. He can handle it. He can truly handle it. In this room, there's a few of you that's playing with God. few of you playing with him. few of you think that the God of this Bible is some just mystic. He's this invisible thing that Christians get together on a Sunday morning and, and talk about and proclaim. Well, friend, if that's you this morning, uh, I got news for you. You're going to split the gates of hell wide open when you draw your last breath. You really are. If you say, man, my heart's like pounding really, really fast right now, and my chest cavity feels like it's just beating out of my chest, well, it's because it's the Holy Spirit trying to let you know. It's nothing to do with Pastor William talking to you. It has everything to do with there is a true, real Holy Spirit that is trying to prompt you to repent and turn from your evil, wicked ways. He don't care how many stars, how many moons, how many of this or how many of that. Listen, he created it all. He did just like this, blew it into existence. So much for evolution, so much for, but he is king. He wants to come into this room, but more than that, he wants to come inside of you. But you have to open up and let him. He's gentle. He's not going to force it on you. 
go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, you, you know better than we do, Lord. Father, I ask that you would lay upon the saints of God and the unbelievers. There is things all of us need to repent of and lay down. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would help search us, O oh God. Help us to see our sinfulness. Lord, I pray that if there's a lost person in this room, which there is, that you would draw them to repentance. That, God, they must realize they cannot keep playing you, God. You are the one in control. You are the one who holds the book of life in hand. You're the one who's going to turn the page and their name's going to pop up. It's going to be too late. So, Father, for all of us in this room, let us repent. Let us call out upon the name of Jesus. Let us seek him out. Let us cry out to him. Let us get a deep and personal relationship to where we can call him Abba. That's his father. Help us, Lord. And we pray all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thank you.